88K News. It's one o'clock on Benche. The headlines. A second lawmaker calls on police to stop approving marches. Fernando Zhang proposes a one-off measure to solve the Taiwan extradition problem. And the British Prime Minister says Beijing must keep to the joint declaration. Independent lawmaker Yan Chan says she agrees it's a good idea for the police to stop issuing approvals for rallies for a few weeks to try to prevent more clashes. The legislator, who was backed by the pro-government camp when she took up the seat last year, says it's time for society to pause and discuss how to hold peaceful protests. Her comments come after DAB lawmaker An Chang wrote to the police commissioner urging the force to stop issuing letters of no objection to rally organizers. Ms. Chan says it's irresponsible for organizers to say what happens after their march is beyond their control. I just think that we need to have a break because from their protests, one by one is more serious. I don't want to see any police or protester get hurt. We feel very um, upset about this situation. If we week by week, non-stop have this kind of protest, I think the problem will become get more serious. I think we need to stop for a while and let them come out a better way to solve this problem. Labour Party lawmaker Fernando Zhang says he submitted a private member's bill to LegCo aiming to enable the surrender of a Hong Kong man wanted in Taiwan for the murder of his 19-year-old girlfriend. The ACR government had argued the case showed the need for the now-shelved extradition bill. Mr Zhang says his planned amendment to the existing extradition laws will only allow for a one-way surrender from Hong Kong to Taiwan on a case-by-case basis and not vice versa. He says it's necessary to help the family before it's too late. To introduce the bill at this moment uh, might stir up further controversies. We certainly understand that. But we really intend to resolve the problems of injustice of the Taiwan murder case. And we know that time is of essence. The fugitive or the suspect could be released in October. If no law is passed, Within this time frame, uh, justice may not prevail. A political commentator says Beijing could try to solve the impasse over the extradition bill by announcing that it welcomes the idea of restarting discussion about political reform. Wilson Wong from the Chinese University's Department of Government and Public Administration says he feels Beijing is highly concerned after seeing continuous protests and some violent clashes. I think Beijing is very concerned that otherwise uh, Beijing will not support the decision that they should just withdraw the extradition bill. But I think on the other hand, Beijing should be able to do more because if we really want to reopen the discussion or actually conduct any constitutional reform of Hong Kong, uh, the approval of Beijing is really necessary under the current system. So I think the, uh, Beijing can announce that they welcome the idea of looking into the political reform of Hong Kong again, given the, all the turmoil and West being seen in Hong Kong. So uh, Beijing does not need to wait for the opinions of the chair executive in order to reopen the uh, discussion of the political reform in Hong Kong. The outgoing British Prime Minister Theresa May has stressed to Beijing the importance of continuing to abide by the Sino-British Joint Declaration that set the terms for Hong Kong's handover. Addressing a question from a diplomat from Beijing's embassy in London, Mrs May stressed Britain's growing trade ties with China, but also the need to be firm on some issues. There are issues on which we need to be very clear with China, and the continuation of the joint declaration in relation to Hong Kong is one of those. That declaration continues to be in force. 
and we would say to China that it needs to be abided by, it needs to be respected and continue to be respected. So in a sense, it's like all relationships. I mean, we look to develop those economic ties, but we also are very clear when we feel that there are messages that we need to give, and I'm sure that will continue into the future. The daughter of the jailed Uyghur scholar Ilarm Tokti, who's serving a life sentence for separatism on the mainland, has raised his case directly with the U.S. President Donald Trump. Dulher Ilarm was one of 27 people from minority religious groups around the world who met Mr. Trump to tell him about persecution in their home countries. Ms. Ilarm said she had not had news of her father since Beijing began mass detentions of Muslim Uyghur citizens in the western region of Xinjiang. He has been in jail for five years and we don't know how long he will still be in there. I haven't heard about him since 2017 because that's when the concentration camp started. Anyone who goes to ask about anybody's family member's news will never make their way back to their own homes. The NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says the alliance has to prepare for a world in which there are more Russian missiles and in which they pose a greater threat and danger to people than ever before. Mr. Stoltenberg was speaking to the BBC earlier. They can reach European cities uh, within a few minutes, so they're reducing the warning time and therefore also the threshold for any potential use of nuclear weapons in an armed conflict. And they are very hard to detect, they are mobile. The number of fatal drug overdoses in the United States has fallen for the first time in almost 30 years. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says overdoses in 2018 dipped below 70,000 from the previous year. The BBC's Reagan Morris reports. The number of people who die from drugs overdose in the United States is about seven times higher than it was a generation ago, a fact many blame on the overprescription of powerful and addictive painkillers. Hundreds of thousands of Americans have died in the opioid epidemic since the 1990s. The decline in deaths comes as dozens of U.S. states sue drug companies for deceptive marketing practices and for allegedly even bribing doctors to prescribe their painkillers. But according to the CDC, the amount of opioids prescribed per person is still about three times higher than it was in 1999. The World Health Organization has announced it's declaring the current outbreak of Ebola in the Democratic Republic of Congo to be a public health emergency of international concern. But it said regional borders would not be closed off. Dr. Tedros Adharnam Ghebreyesus is the Director General of the WHO. Our risk assessment remains that the risk of spread in DRC and the region remains very high and the risk of spread outside the region remains low. I emphasize that WHO does not recommend any restrictions on travel or trade, which rather than stopping Ebola can actually hamper the fight. Prosecutors in the U.S. state of Massachusetts have dropped sexual assault charges against the actor Kevin Spacey. He had been accused of groping an 18-year-old waiter at a bar in Nantucket three years ago. Spacey had pleaded not guilty to the charges. The BBC's Nada Tofik explains why the case was stopped. It all centered around the accuser's cell phone, which had gone missing. But the accuser and his family said that they did not have the phone. Kevin Spacey's lawyers really dug into them, basically saying, you know, did you delete any text messages from this phone? Because that could amount to criminal conduct. The accuser himself decided to invoke his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination and refused to testify.
The International Court of Justice has ordered Pakistan to review the death penalty given to a former Indian Navy officer who was convicted of spying. Pakistan says Kulbushan Jadav was arrested in the restive province of Balochistan in 2016 and was sentenced to death a year later by a military court. India, which denies the accusation, had approached a UN court to intervene, but the court has rejected India's request to release Mr. Jadav and return him to India. Pakistan's Attorney General Anwar Mansu Khan claimed victory. This is a clear, clear win for Pakistan, and that Pakistan has, in fact, been very clear from the outset that they will consider the review and reconsideration which is what the court has categorically stated and said. The White House has said it will now be impossible for Turkey to continue to take part in NATO's F-35 fighter jet program because of Ankara's decision to buy missiles from Russia. Turkey took delivery of the first parts of a Russian missile defense system last week, undermining plans by the U.S. to sell more than 100 of its military aircraft to Ankara. Ellen Lord is a U.S. defense undersecretary. The U.S. and other F-35 partners are aligned in this decision to suspend Turkey from the program and initiate the process to formally remove Turkey from the program. As President Trump said in his statement, the U.S. still values our strategic partnership with Turkey. Investigators in Brazil say they believe there is new evidence suggesting the disastrous collapse of a dam at a mine six months ago could have been prevented. The prosecutor leading the investigation, William Garcia, said he believes there is evidence the German company Tweet Sweet, which certified the Brumadino Dam as safe, knew it was vulnerable to collapse. Tweet Sweet said that it was working towards establishing what had happened. The United Nations has accused Hungary of being out of touch with reality in its handling of asylum issues. A UN special rapporteur, Felipe González Morales, called on the Hungarian government to end emergency measures designed to curb migration across its southern border. The BBC's Nick Thorpe in Budapest has the details of the report. The measure, prolonged every six months, amounts to a state of emergency, is out of touch with the current reality of low migrant numbers and has a negative impact on the human rights of asylum seekers, he said. In response to the special rapporteur's report, Tomás Menzer, State Secretary at the Hungarian Foreign Ministry, said that over 30 million people could set out for Europe at any time, so migration remains a major security problem. Ukraine has revealed that it's holding a driver accused of involvement in the shooting down of a Malaysian airliner five years ago yesterday. A Russian-made missile brought down flight MH17 over rebel-held eastern Ukraine, killing all 290 people, 98 people on board. Memorial events were held in the Netherlands and Malaysia. The Dutch Prime Minister, Mark Rutte, joined hundreds of relatives at a ceremony near Amsterdam's Schiphol Airport. To all the families from and representatives of the grieving nations, let me say how much we appreciate you being here. Today, we are united in our grief and in our determination to ensure justice for the victims. 
In finance, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 28,453. That's 133 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at 33 billion dollars, and in currencies, the U.S. dollar is trading at 107.72 yen. The euro is standing at one U.S. dollar and 12 cents, and the pound is worth nine Hong Kong dollars and 71 cents. And now to the sports. Here is Atom Jung. World number one golfer Brooks Koepka has found support at the Open Championship, which is about to tee off in Northern Ireland. His caddy Ricky Elliott is from the area near the Royal Portrush Golf Course. Koepka says he'll be aiming to win the Claret Jug for him. I think it'd be、um, there'd be nothing cooler, you know, to put it this way. I don't think when he grew up that he ever thought that there'd be an Open Championship here. And to top it off, I don't think he ever thought he'd be a part of it. And you know, to be caddying and, and to be able to to win one here would be maybe a legend, wouldn't he? I mean, he already is, but it'd be cool to、uh, it'd be cool to see him win. To football's Africa Cup of Nations, where Nigeria have won the match for third place against Tunisia, it finished one nil for the Super Eagles in Cairo. The BBC's John Bennett reports. An eighth Africa Cup of Nations bronze medal for Nigeria, and some consolation after losing in their semi-final to an injury-time free kick. The Super Eagles flew out of the blocks and took the lead on three minutes after yet another mistake by Tunisia keeper Moise Ben Sharifa could only punch across onto defender Yassin Meria. And Odion Egalo tapped into an empty net. All three keepers in the Tunisia squad have now made errors here in Egypt. That goal took Egalo to five at this Cup of Nations. By the way, he's now too clear of his closest rivals for the Golden Boot prize, but he went off injured just before half time. Tunisia worked hard but hardly tested the opposition keeper. Meanwhile, Samuel Chukwueze and Victor Osimhen came close to doubling Nigeria's lead. It stayed one nil though, and the Super Eagles maintain their record of never. Ever losing a Cup of Nations third-place playoff, the bronze medalists at the last Olympic Games in Rio pick up yet another Africa Cup of Nations bronze. The final will be played tomorrow. That's between Senegal and Algeria. Staying with football, in transfer news, West Ham United have broken their transfer record to sign French striker Sebastian Haller. For 55 million U.S. dollars from German side Eintracht Frankfurt, and the England defender Kieran Trippier has left Tottenham to join Spanish side Atletico Madrid for 25 million U.S. dollars. Finally, in baseball, Yu Darvish has finally recorded a win at Wrigley Field as a member of the Chicago Cubs. The Japanese right-hander allowed just two hits over six innings. In a 5-2 win over the Cincinnati Reds, prior to the game, Darvish had failed to win any of his 13 starts at home since signing a six-year, 126 million U.S. dollar deal with Chicago in February last year. Darvish has a record of three wins and four losses so far this season. And that's your look at sports. And that's the news from RTHK. Searching for a good time in the 